Arc Reactions Podcast. My name is John. And I'm Larissa. And this is episode 143 covering The Mandalorian, episode one. If you're new to the show, we'll be talking about things we didn't like, followed by things we did like, and finally giving the episode an overall rating. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We will be spoiling episodes of The Mandalorian over the next few months. So if you haven't watched the show, please do that first and then come back and listen to the episodes. So Larissa, why don't you start with one of your bad things? Okay. The first bad thing I'd say is the arsenal. The Mithral, or the person that the Mando is apprehending, just wanders downstairs to like use the bathroom, and he punches in a few buttons, and his entire stash of guns and weapons are just exposed. And he doesn't do anything, and that's probably another bad thing. He He didn't try to use anything to escape. He didn't I don't know, look at what else was in there. He just kind of, oh, whoops, wasn't supposed to see that, closed the door. Um, but I think it was way too easy to open that. I I understand what you're saying. I, I agree with you that that's kind of weird, but that character was kind of weird. Like, he's kind of a coward, and I, we're not told why he has a bounty on him, but it sounds like some maybe bail jumper, because that was like all the other ones he was offered after that were bail jumpers. So he seems to be, I think that's setting up that he's, the, the Mandalorian is struggling to find good work in, in these times after the collapse of the Empire. And so he's taking these jobs that are beneath him because he needs to do something. And so, yeah, it was strange, but it, I think it is setting you up so when he gets the good job later in the episode, then you're like, ah, oh, the fun's about to start. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I just, I think I also just didn't really like the character, the the guy that he was catching. Like, the things he said just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I just didn't really care for him. But I don't think you're supposed to like him at all. So I didn't really care about that part as much. Okay. Um, my bad thing was we went to three different planets on this show. And we're not told what any of them are. And I mean, in the one episode, we're not told what any of the planets are. They kind of sort of resemble things we've seen before. Like the first one is an ice planet, kind of sort of resembles Hoth, but it's pretty obvious it's not Hoth. And then the one that uh, Quill, Quill, Quill is on is kind of deserty like Tatooine, but it, we're pretty sure it's not. And then the the one that the Carl Weathers character, Grief Grief Carva, and the client is on looks to be like a war-torn planet that could be pretty much any planet. So I'd like to know where this is taking place just because I have that history of having read a lot of the, the books and some of the comics and watched you know all the movies and a little bit of the, the Clone Wars. Uh, and I just I want to know where this fits in with the rest of, of the Star Wars universe. And it's very nondescript, and that kind of bugs me. I kind of agree. I feel like in a lot of the other, in, in all, all the movies and probably the spinoff series, they do have labels that come up on the screen with where it is or when these things are happening. And the only clue to that is uh, when the Mando is getting the bounty from that... Grief Karga. From, yep. And, uh, wait, was that from him? Uh, that's where he goes to turn in the first set of bounties with the the uh, mithril guy, 
and then he's get that's when he gets told about the the baby Yoda. Oh, okay. Yeah, then that that is the person. So that's when they're saying that oh, the empire is is gone. So that so you kind of have a clue there, but yeah, other than that, there's no indication of what planets these are happening on or where it's taking place, and I don't know if that's just because they're just doing this spin-off so they don't even know where these things are happening yet or they're going to make it up some sometime later or uh, obviously we've o- we've only seen episode 1 at this time like we'll see if we get some more um noticeable planets later but it's produced by Dave Filoni who did the Clone Wars and Rebels and it is like a master in the star the lore of Star Wars like he knows the history he knows all this stuff like it doesn't to me seem like it's an oversight. It seems like it's intentional and I don't know why. Cause it's John Favreau who did a lot of the Marvel stuff or some of the Marvel stuff and Dave Filoni who did so much of the star Wars cartoons and, and everything. And it, I, I feel like somebody told him to not put labels on things and not give any of the characters dialogue that tells you what the planet is. Cause that's the other way to do it. You don't have to do the labels. You can have, you know, Quill um, say well why did you come to blah and and then you know what planet you're on but they didn't do any of that and I think that that's somehow intentional and I don't know why Hmm. well I guess we'll see in future episodes if they decide to name the planets or the places that they're at Uh, another thing that I was noticing was uh, there's other information left out aside from the, the planets so there was a mention of the chain code for the bounty and that the last four digits correspond to the age. And that's all that uh, the person was able to provide to uh, the, the Mandalorian. So I would actually like to know what the rest of the chain code does in terms of identifying the person. And that's just something for me, curiosity wise. I'm just curious. I'd be curious to see. I don't know if when this will happen. Uh, if they do some sort of tie-in comics, that might be something where they could put it on a page and you see it and they give you like a, a little guide to say, well, this is this part and this is that part. like that. That's Or a book, something similar. But I don't know if they're going to do any tie-in books or comics to the show. We'll be, that'll be interesting to see because they're, they're definitely... Since Disney purchased Star Wars, uh, oh, how many years ago was that? Like five or... It was before Force Awakens. Like five or six years ago, they they purchased Star Wars and they uh, did away with the like hundred and some books and comics and, you know, thousands of comics that were previously written uh, and started their own uh, continuity series of books and comics. And those are tying in a lot to the, the current films. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do something with this. But as of time of recording... Nothing has come of that, but that'd be the place I'd expect to see something like that. And yeah, I'm also interested. What is the rest of the chain code? Like, that's pretty cool that the last four digits tell you the the um, the age of the of the um, the asset or the the target because that's useful information. And I totally misheard that during the episode. I, I know you caught it where it. I thought he said there's eight, and what he actually said was the age because we I watched it with subtitles the second time. And I was like, oh, so there's eight numbers in, in the chain code. And he's got the last four. Well, that's kind of helpful. And then the guy tells him the age. I thought those were not related. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to know more about that, uh, it, hopefully in a comic or a book. 
That's kind of all I've got aside from also wanting to know what The Great Purge was all about. And I'm sure we'll probably get that in later episodes, hopefully. I mean, we started to see a little bit with the flashback when the the shoulder piece is being made to his past. And uh, it looked like his parents were carrying him in the middle of a battle trying to hide. So I'm pretty sure they're going to give us the rest of that, you know, as, as the episodes continue. So, yeah, maybe they'll give us more about The Great Purge. Um, if this goes on to multiple seasons, they can maybe spread that out over multiple seasons. Like in Arrow, it took, I don't know, two, three, four seasons to get all the time between the the boat crash and him getting back to Star City uh, fleshed out in, in, that, in that series. So we might get something similar here, uh, depending on how long this series goes. So um, that was your last bad thing? Yeah. Um, do you want to start off with... Uh something you really liked or a good point okay um i really liked the action sequences in here it starts off with a really good action sequence of of, of you know him entering the bar kind of a very western feel you know and and uh getting rid of that group of guys that were after the the mithril themselves and then taking the mithril bounty back and then the end action sequence the like shootout in the old west town kind of thing with with ig11 those were fantastically done very well uh put together super super amounts of fun ig11 is uh unintentionally hilarious when he keeps trying to to blow himself up um it was interesting to me though that he had a different he was given the job from a different source because he was told to kill the asset whereas the mandalorian was told to bring it back alive so there's a lot of stuff going on there, but those action sequences are the first thing I wanted to highlight. They were very well done, f- very much felt like Star Wars, and it's it's pretty impressive with modern TV how you're watching a TV show, but it feels just as big budget and well done as a movie, and, and that's pretty impressive. I, I'd have to agree very strongly with that. Um, I really liked in that first battle sequence uh the way he used his wrist cable and he kind of spider-manned him to to get the guy that was running out the door and then the door closed on the guy and sliced his body in half and i just thought that was a really cool use of uh the type of door that it was as well as um we just start to get to see the different uh equipment and weapons that he has uh the other weapon that i thought was really cool was uh that kind of gun but it kind of looks like a staff at first because the first time he uses it is on that that fish or the the creature that breaks out of the ice um and it kind of the the music leading up to that sounded like i don't know something from godzilla you know kind of that kind of warning and then it just comes out of the ice to attack the ship um to stop them from leaving and he pulls that out and at first i i actually didn't even realize it was a gun because uh, he used it to uh, kind of electrocute stun stun that that monster and then later on you find out it's a gun when he's uh in that scene with the stormtroopers where he's uh trying to get more information on the bounty and he he pulls that out and you find out oh it's actually also a gun yeah yeah that's a pretty impressive piece of machinery because yeah it's it's both um visually cool looking because it's got kind of that tuning fork into it like you said and then yeah he used that to um electrocute the the creature that was trying to bite the leg off the ship um and then yeah later on he uses it 
appearing to be a gun, but he doesn't actually fire that in this episode, does he? He did not, but... Because he, f- he fires the, the pistol uh, in the shootout portion, but I don't think he fires the rifle. Which is why I didn't know it was a gun until he held it like one... Or, I, okay, I guess we don't actually know that, but he held it as though it was a gun uh, in, in that scene. So I'm going to assume that it was, and I guess we'll see in later episodes if he actually uses that way. Maybe it's more high, high powered, or maybe it's more like a sniper. Um, we'll, we'll see later. Um, and this is another, a good example of what I was illustrating earlier where Dave, with Dave Filoni. So Boba Fett's original appearance is in the star Wars holiday special, which is actually referenced twice in this episode. Cause the, um, the mithril he says i was hoping to be home for life day because that's the life day celebration is the kind of the thing the holiday special uh, revolves around and then the cartoon that introduces boba fett in there he's got a weapon that looks exactly like that in the cartoon so that's what i'm saying about dave filoni like he knows star wars history he's doing all these things for a purpose so why are the planets not named anyway back, not to get back to that point but I thought that was really cool to see basically the same weapon that was in a cartoon in a live action show and see how it works. Um, another thing that I really, really enjoyed was the dialogue. There are some really great lines in this episode. Um, I really like when uh, the stormtroopers are like, it's four to one and the Mandalorian is saying, I like those odds. And I, I just think that's great. Um, the other line that you hear everyone quoting these days is I have spoken and that's Quill saying it and I I just love that line I feel like you can use it in your everyday life and I feel like that's why people are doing it and I I really like IG uh the the assassin droid he, he's the sassy droid of of this episode maybe this series we'll see well he's dead so oh I, right i forgot he he yep that might be it <laughs> i forgot about that um there but i mean it's just it's a the ig series are is a series of assassin droids so maybe we'll see another one later in in the episode i mean it it is the profession that you would run across them in if you're bounty hunting that's true so yeah i i just really like that he was so insistent upon following the, you know his protocols of okay if you're there's nothing that you can do and you're cornered you you go into your self-destruct sequence and he kept doing it i i counted three times that he tried to do it and mando is like no don't do that we're gonna do this and he's like okay agreed and it, it just kept happening and i loved it i i really like the dialogue between them i i mean i will admit that from my childhood and teenage years when i was reading a lot of the now no longer canon star wars books the there's a there's one that's called tales of the bounty hunters and it's a tale for each of the bounty hunters you see on um darth vader's ship in empire strikes back so there's dengar the guy with the the wrap around his head there's forlam and zuckus which is the bug-eyed looking one and his robot friend there's bosk there's ig88 and there's boba fett and so ig88 the one in empire strikes back i got to love through that story and I was like, oh, I love this idea of this like assassin droid that is pretty much autonomous. Uh, and then, but then watching this episode, I'm like, man, did they just undermine a bunch of that stuff? Because I don't know how this guy would get anything done if he's threatening to blow himself up every five minutes when things don't go exactly his way, can get talked into anything. It's like, how is this an effective uh, bounty hunting or assassin droid? 
And but I still love it because it looks cool. And getting to see him actually move around and shoot things because you don't look so cool. Like the head, it seemed like there were multiple. I don't know, eyes, I guess you could call them, around the head, but also the head swiveled. And then also like the middle part of the body with the arms also swiveled around. So multiple targets, uh, multiple, you know, dual wielding gun action. Uh, It was great. I I thought that was so cool. And he's just, you know, walking forward. That's why I like all the action part. It was great. And then it's just comical because he's, oh, I'm going to self-destruct sequence do not start your self-destruct sequence so i just thought that was really great yeah and i mean as a kid and a teenager i just had a book in my imagination to make all that now to actually see someone animate it or or you know motion capture it because i was looking on imdb and there's a person credited with the motion capture for uh the the droid who's not uh taika watiti who's the person voicing the droid and so, yeah, that motion capture and then anim- uh, computer animated, it just looked as amazing as I, in my head, imagined it as a teenager. So I'm so glad to see another IG unit in Star Wars. Um, additional things I, I liked. Um, I really like the slow... Uh, the The way they're teasing out the history of the Mandalorian. So in Clone Wars, and I'm only finishing up season three i think right now so i'm only about halfway through um there's there's a a segment where they the uh queen amidala or or senator amidala now goes to mandalore and talks with her friend there so mandalore was a planet but while the people are there it's really confusing what mandalorians are because they're kind of a clan whenever you you talk about you know boba fett wearing mandalorian armor and then the the Mandalorians you hear about like in the in in the history of Star Wars that hadn't been depicted at the time they're they're kind of taught, thought of as a clan and a group of warriors without actually being a race so there's a there's a little bit of confusion there because the people that live on Mandalore would also be called Mandalorians but they're not the same people that the show is following like right. we see we see the clan we see you know five or seven uh, Mandalorians in their armor, all of them wearing their helmets, and you know he won't take his helmet off when riding the Blurg. So I mean, we're starting to get the pieces of of lore about the the clan of the Mandalorians, and I'm I'm just eating that up. Like I I want more of that. I want to understand more. Like you said, the Purge earlier. Like I want to know about that whenever that uh, comes to be. You know, and and I, I yeah I I'm loving how they're doing that, and I I want more of it as much as I can get. I'd have to agree. I think uh, it'd be interesting to know what exactly is it about their reputation? Like, obviously, from Quill, we know that they have a reputation of maybe being really efficient uh, because that's what he mentioned about, oh, this should be a quick job uh, and that'll bring peace to, to the area. So I'd like to know, aside from being really great fighters and being able to uh, wrangle the mythosaurs or he mentions that that your your ancestors were the ones that rode them so you should be able to get on this blurg and and tame it and ride it um he didn't actually say that but that's kind of how i thought of it in my head uh so yeah i'd I'd like to know more about maybe what happened and what else people think about them because it's not super clear right now like what the feeling is because every time he walked into 
uh, a, a different place or I don't know it was the the cantina or the bar whatever that was. So there's the first bar and then the bar with uh that's on the ice planet and then the second bar I think is one you're talking about with um uh Carl Weathers character where he's turning in yeah. the yeah where he's turning in the bounty and stuff that's everyone kind of pauses and stares and kind of you know side eye kind of watching what he's doing so I kind of want to know more about why that is like what what are people's feelings towards Mandalorians at this point it's just not super clear to me anyway well and up until this point and it's unclear from the episode i I, i'm going to lean towards most people haven't seen a mandalorian so up until this point we've only seen one person in mandalorian armor ever or two Two. Django and boba oh oh okay i thought you meant for this episode because then i would also include the person that was making the armor like the blacksmith uh person which I thought was also pretty cool that oh, scene yeah, and yeah. her just forging, you know, the the shoulder pad and stuff. So that was another cool thing. Um, but yeah, so far we've seen the- going into this series, we've seen yes. two. We've seen Django and we've seen Boba. And yes. I don't know when the new canon if Boba is considered a Mandalorian or just to have Mandalorian armor. In the old canon, he was considered to just have Mandalorian armor. He was not a Mandalorian. How he got it, we don't know. But in this, we see, like I said, like five or seven when he walks through the, the compound, like you, you get to hear and w- follow his adventures. And then you get to hear from the, the weapons, the forger, the, the lady working the forge and making the armor and the weapons, presumably. Um, that, so those two we've, we've interacted with, but then there's like three or four more as, that he walks past on his way there. So, yeah, we're... I, I'm taking it that all those heads turning when he walks into a place is they've never seen a Mandalorian because they are so rare because they were a a respected and storied clan and um, you know group of indi- group of people and then the Empire essentially wiped them out and now there are very few left and they're in hiding and so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how if that continues throughout the whole series, because I feel like there's going to be very few people other than the same people that we've seen so far. Like when he re- goes back to grief Karga, if he goes back or he goes back to that bar and the same people see him that would have seen a Mandalorian before. So every time he runs into new people, it's probably, be the, probably going to be the first Mandalorian they've seen. Right. And I'm thinking maybe some, that probably has something to do with the purge, like some big event happened and maybe that's why the Mandalorians or or the clan or these people are what seems like in hiding. So I guess we'll see more. Yeah, I, I expect we'll get more as, as the series continues. Do you have any more good points? The last thing I kind of have is the credits. I really enjoy watching the credits um, because the backdrop look like paintings to me of scenes that are in the episode or I don't know. Some of them actually look like they weren't from the episode. I could be wrong, but this one seemed to have um, just paintings of like there was Quill and uh, the Mandalorian riding on the Blurgs. Uh, there was scenes where he's trading. Uh, there was him reaching down into the bassinet and Yoda, little baby Yoda's hand coming up, which is the closing scene of the of the show. I think they're storyboards. So the from my limited understanding, having never made a TV show, um, there, there's a process of you've written the script and then 
that they can do storyboards, which is where an artist draws what's in the script to give kind of an approximation of what it is going to look like when it's filmed. And I think that's what these were. I think these were very high detail storyboards and they chose to include them in the credits, which I think is an um, an amazing touch. It's something I've never seen in a TV show. I've seen it in like movie credits a or time like or two. Or movie shorts or something like that. Yeah, but I've never seen it in a TV show. And I thought that was a really nice touch as well. That and I like the music. I'm just enjoying it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I know this is not John Williams. And for me to like the theme song to this show, which, you know, filters in through the throughout the episode at appropriate times that is as almost as much as i like the john williams score that you know everyone knows from from the movies is high praise like they did a a killer job with with the the score for for these episodes this episode and i'm assuming the rest of the series because they're going to keep using this they've already written it so yeah i i love that that song and it sounds very western western jumanji i don't know there's like drums in there or something or there's like some kind of steady beat and then also yeah like kind of western or something like the it's i i think it's like a like a flute that does the the little the ups and downs mm-hmm. yeah 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 it, it's very well done and and very catchy and it'll just stick in your head all day and it's not an annoyance um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else either. So why don't we go into our uh, wrap up and, and rating? So why don't you start? Or I can start. You want me to start? Okay. <laughs> um, this this was nearly a nearly perfect pilot to the first Star Wars live action show. And that is a feat that, that de- deserves praise because uh, for years we've been hoping for and there's been talks of a live action Star Wars show. And now with the launch of Disney Plus, we we finally got one and I think we'll get more, you know, as as time goes on. But for it to come out of the out of the gun or, you know, out of the starting blocks this well, that that's amazing cuz I mean, Agents of Shield is another one I can think of that was highly anticipated, you know, you had a couple Marvel movies and then we're getting this Marvel TV show and it kind of stumbled out of the blocks like they were kind of self-contained episodes. They didn't really know what they were doing. It took them like half a season or so until they were allowed to start a long-form story, and it, it, it lost a lot of people. So with this one starting as strong as it did, I'm sure it kept people going. You know, they're going to they're gonna want to see the rest of these episodes and finish out the, the, the show. So, I mean, it's high, high praise from me. Uh, all the things that I mentioned as bad points are just minor quibbles like... I, I'm I'm loving this, and I I will definitely watch the show again, you know, sometime in the future, which is pretty rare for me. As as Dylan, my our normal co-host, knows, I, I tend to watch things once, maybe twice, and then never again because there's so much cool stuff out there to watch and enjoy. So yeah, if I if I revisit this, that that's high praise. So I'm gonna give it nine uh, IG assassin droids at, out of ten. All right. Well, I think. This started out spectacularly. In the beginning, there's the strobe over different helmets, and they end on uh, a Mandalorian-looking helmet or maybe Boba Fett's helmet, and I thought that was a great start. I think throughout the whole episode, it was exciting. It kept me thinking and engaged. The fight scenes, the music, the dialogue, it, it was all just fantastic, and 
I think if that continues throughout the other episodes, it's it's just going to be kind of one of those on my ed- edge of the seat type of uh, shows. Um, this is one of the few shows that I think I've watched as soon as it came out. Uh, I had to wait for it. You know, none of this, okay, I'm going to wait for all the episodes to be out and binge watch it. Nope. I'm definitely watching it right when the next episode is coming out. Anyway, so I'm going to give this nine out of 10 aborted self-destruct sequences by IG. So I have spoken. All right. Uh, so that's going to wrap up uh, this episode. If you'd like to email us and tell us your thoughts uh, uh, after watching The Mandalorian, you can email us at arcreactionspod at gmail.com or you can march on over to our Facebook page like a good stormtrooper and leave a like and a comment at facebook.com slash arcreactionspodcast. You can also tweet at us at arcreactionspod and you can tumble our way at arcreactionspodcast.tumblr.com. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and more. And a big thank you to Packy for our intro and outro music. We love that guy, and we hope to have him on an episode soon. And our next episode is going to be The Mandalorian Episode 2 on June 6th. Thank you guys for listening. This has been a cat interrupted production.